I want to thank our sponsors, Athletic Greens, who created AG1, one of the most innovative packets of supplements, including 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. These ingredients support your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. I personally started using Athletic Greens and love the way I feel in the morning after I drink it. And I no longer have energy crashes throughout the day. And the best part is that it's delicious. The founder of Athletic Greens created AG1 because he experienced a ton of gut health and ended up on a complicated and expensive supplement routine to recover. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash yasmine. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash yasmine, Y-A-S-M-E-E-N, to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Hi, my name is Yasmin Terehi, and this is Gateways to Awakening, where we host one-on-one conversations with leading experts in wellness, well-being, and spirituality. On today's episode, I'll be speaking with Dr. Beth McDougall, who has been in the medical practice since 1998 and is the founder and medical director of the Integrative Medical Clinic, serving the San Francisco Bay Area since 2002, an early pioneer in orthomolecular nutritional medicine and European biological medicine. Dr. McDougall was among the very first group of doctors to be trained in functional medicine back in 1998. Her new book, Your Pristine Blueprint, explores her life journey and professional experience that led to her current understanding about the energetic basis of health and disease rooted in our degree of resonance with the unified field. I was introduced to Beth through Dr. Francesca McCartney from the Academy of Intuition Medicine, and I'm super excited to welcome her to the show. So welcome to the show, Beth. Thank you so much, Yasmin. My pleasure. So Beth, uh, in your book, you talk about the field that connects us all. What do you mean by that? Well, we exist within a field of energy and information. And this field is highly structured and organized and incredibly potent. And it, it we exist within it and it exists within us. And then we and every other aspect of our material reality emerges from this field as a unique manifestation. So, um, and how does matter emerge out of this unified field? And what does that mean? I think for our audience, which is pretty mainstream, um, if you could break down some of these concepts for them so they can understand what, what that means, like how matter emerges out of it. Well, I mean... The field has been described by physicists and and philosophers and even mystics for hundreds and hundreds of years. And and it's like Nikola Tesla, for example, and Walter Russell described the field as like an incredibly rarefied gas, almost vibrating at infinite velocity. And so you can think of this just, you know, kind of incredibly fast vibration at the most quantum level of this field. 
And it, this is going to sound a little kind of like esoteric, but you can imagine that there are waves within the field. And each wave is going to be distinct based on its wavelength and frequency. So you, you might have one that kind of distinguishes itself from the backdrop of this infinite vibration. And then you may have another one that's slightly different based on its different wavelength, different frequency. And then if these intersect, they're going to create something different. You know, they're going to create perhaps an eddy and kind of like a circular motion that that in and of itself has different information. And then these, these can coalesce into something that has more complex information. And so you can almost imagine that the, the, these, these, these kind of intersecting waves of information create kind of a geometrical blueprint or template that can allow for things to emerge out of the field. Fascinating. So what about, um, you know, people, you know, two different people uh, or two even different rooms um, intersecting with each other at different, you know, energy spaces? I guess speeds or wavelengths or whatever you want to call it. What happens? Like, does is there like a does the higher resonance take over? How does that work? Well, I mean, maybe we first should just talk about how does a human being, something as complex as a multicellular organism like a human being, how does that emerge out of the field? And I think that might be a good place to start because you know, my sense is that there, at the moment of our conception when the sperm from our father penetrates the egg from our mother, there's this flash of light that's been shown by current science and also a sound that, that occurs. And it's like a photoacoustic boom that, that informs the field, almost pertur- provides this kind of perturbation within the field that, that, that ends up becoming this, this kind of geometrical three-dimensional template for our physical form. And this, 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 this blueprint guides our development as we're developing as an embryo and actually contains the information set to orchestrate our exquisitely complex physiology. So when you think about how complex our physiology is, we have 37 trillion cells, each with millions to billions of chemical reactions happening every second, but in a coordinated manner. And so right now, current science really can't explain where that level of orchestration is coming from. But it, I'm maintaining that it is, it is provided by this kind of operating blueprint this blueprint that has the instruction set has the the kind of information field that's required to to orchestrate our physiology so so you were asking say that again i mean you were saying like what what is it what happens when two human beings come together is that what your question was yeah so i've always been um intrigued by the differences in our own energy when we interact with others and also when we interact with spaces. Um, so I, yeah. So if two people, you know, have very different kind of energy frequencies or vibrations, like how does that, you know, how does that play out? I I know it's kind of like an, like a, (laughs) a esoteric maybe question, but I'm, I'm just curious, you know, from your perspective, like, do you, does the higher frequency win? (laughs) Well, I think that it's, it's all about, um, 
autonomy, honestly, um, and whether someone has like a good sense of of autonomy and, and sovereignty where they can maintain kind of their own personal boundaries. So I think you can be around another person that has a very different vibration, you know, kind of that, that, that is maybe not necessarily compatible with ours or, you know, a vibration that, that is not something that we would like to, to kind of pull into our inner circle. Um, but if, if the person has intact boundaries, they can interact without it affecting them. Mm. Got it. Got it. Okay. And um, and then let's move on to this pristine blueprint, which the book uh, is about. What is our pristine blueprint? Well, I was describing it a little bit earlier. It's just that right at the moment right. of our conception, this three-dimensional kind of template forms that I believe guides our development as an embryo and then provides the operating instructions for our complex physiology. So it's it's literally this data set that's kind of orchestrating things. And then as we go through life, this, this blueprint can become contaminated. You know, just because every single thing in life, whether, you know, we're talking about you know, every, everything from like a molecule to a vitamin, to a mineral, to a toxin, to a microorganism has its own energetic signature. And some of these things are compatible with our field and our collective blueprint, and some are not. And so as we go through life, we tend to collect misinformation in dissonant energetic signatures, you know, through the, through incorporation of toxins and possibly having infections. And then I think even collectively having traumatic experiences that, that, and, and unmetabolized emotions that, that are left in our, our field. Mm. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm also curious, especially since like the pandemic, I think has been so hard on so many people. Have you noticed in your practice um, that people's pristine blueprints has changed significantly in the last couple of years? Yeah, and you know, and I guess I'd like to say I don't think their blueprint has changed, but there's just a lot of dissonance that's that's almost like static on the radio. And during the pandemic, I saw this. It was interesting, not in everyone. So it was it was one of those kind of moments in my practice where I was able to see so clearly how a person's mindset and what they chose to pay attention to and how how they live their life in made such an incredible difference. You know, like I would have in a given day of my medical practice um, during the height of the pandemic, conversations with people and some people would be saying I'm this is I'm feeling the best I've ever felt you know this is I really enjoyed this time just have a lot more time to myself I have a lot more time with my family I'm spending a lot more time outdoors I you know adopted a meditation practice and I've been exercising and 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 clearly there are like I've, I've finally started writing that book I've always wanted to write or you know I've been painting or you know and they would just be on fire and then the next person their their life had contracted down to such a small degree you know just into such a small form and they were incredibly paralyzed by fear. I had people that were unwilling to even leave their house and go on a walk because they might 
pass by someone else on the sidewalk and they thought that was dangerous. I had couples where they stopped having sex because they thought that, you know, it was dangerous. <laughs> their health. I mean, I had people that were just, you know, they don't, they didn't like their families. They didn't like being around their families. And so, you know, it was just so interesting to watch almost the dichotomy where, um, you know, people were having such radically different personal experiences in the same kind of setting overall. Mm, wow, that that's such a powerful point. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like there were just multiple worlds happening during the pandemic, and um, and I think also just uh, in terms of like our resilience, you know, what what resilience resilience we had before, and also what we were able to muster up in our current situation was really fascinating too. Because I, I felt the same way. I was I was um, profoundly surprised by how many worlds people were living in. Um, so. Uh, in your book, you talk about the definition of the soul and how sound shows up in astrological influences. So I'm curious, you know, how does sound impact our lives? There's a lot of sound healing modalities that have become very popular recently. Um, yeah, I'm curious, like, what, is, what does that mean to you? Hmm, that's a lot there. Well, as I was talking about the the kind of the formation of our blueprint and how current science has demonstrated a flash of light at the moment of conception, when the sperm penetrates the egg, there's this flash of light and a sound. So, so it, it appears that the sound is what informs the field. You know, it's almost this photoacoustic boom. And and so, and, you know, you look at spiritual traditions throughout, you know, m- multiple spiritual traditions talk about, you know, in the beginning was the word. And there's so, so many traditions kind of believe that matter arises from sound. And, you know, if, you know, ohm it contains all the frequencies in existence. And if, if ohm ceased to exist, the world would cease to exist. Like these kinds of think, you know, this kind of thinking. And so we know that sound has kind of a profound um, effect on, on the field really, which is you, you, you can almost think about like sound traveling through a kind of a liquid medium, let's say. And so the planets in our solar system are are enormous resonating bodies. Like you can go on to NASA satellite websites and listen to the individual sound of every planet in our solar system. And the sounds are very distinct based on the size of the planet, the composition of the planet, you know, the rate of its, if it's revolution, you know, all of these things are going to influence the, the sound that that planet makes. And, you know, if we had sensitive enough kind of like instruments on earth, we'd be able to tell that like every plant had a different sound and every rock had a different sound and everything has a sound. Um, But when we're forming, you know, you have these enormously influential uh, resonating bodies in our solar system that are going to influence our blueprint formation. Oh, so fascinating. Um, And so what kind of practices do you do when it comes to kind of supporting uh, sound healing? Well, sound, sound is an incredibly powerful tool because 
oh my gosh, there's so much to say here. So, you know, it's one of those kind of percussive vibration type of waves. It's a different, different type of wave. And it can, I believe, break up kind of concretized energy within our energetic field. So we think about, you know, the traumas that we experience in our lifetime. And sometimes we're not equipped to fully deal with those traumas at the time. And, you know, we don't necessarily feel all of the emotions around that. And some of them remain stuck in our field and literally, I think, form these kind of concretized energetic densities that actually are going to influence the way we view the world and our our perceptions about things. It, you know, kind of influences our projections onto other people. It's almost like the, the kind of these cloudy lenses that we're, that we're looking at the world through. And so the sound can be used to break that up. You know, so I have, for example, in my clinic, um, a vibrosound bed, which is where you've got a waterbed that has a colloidal mineral water in it. That's really the similar composition to our inside of our cells. And you're lying on that bed and there are these huge speakers underneath these kind of sound transducers that are projecting sound up through the water and it's vibrating through the water into your body. And then you're listening to sound on special headphones and kind of seeing a visual display of sound, you know, actually through your eyelids, you know, behind your clothes eyes. And that experience is really transformative for people because they can, it, it, it almost transports you in such a way that, that it's this closest thing to like a, like a plant medicine journey without ingesting any substances. And you, that, that percussive vibration just seems to break up these concretions in the, in the field. So there's, there's that. And then Interesting, I'll just say another technology that I've been really interested in and working with. So um, our voice contains so much data. You know, we think about as we're speaking, literally there's pockets, almost like balloon-like pockets of data coming out of our mouths. Um, So every cell in our body is, is connected with the autonomic nervous system. And the vagus nerve, which is kind of one of the the, the primary nerve in the parasympathetic nervous system, is connected with our vocal cords. So it's translating information from all of our cells to our vocal cords, and that's coming out in pockets of data as we're speaking. So I've been involved in a company that measures the sound in your voice and can, can actually provide information about your physiology based on your voice. A 30-second voice print collected on a cell phone can tell you about your, not only basic things like your sleep quality, your level of hydration, but very specific things like what toxins are in your body? Do you have infections? If, you know, do do you have elevated mycotoxins? Do you have any cancer cells, et cetera? And so, you know, the, the using it as a medical diagnostic device is a little far away, but it's right now data is being collected by machine learning to, to really identify each of these indices. And on the flip side of that, there's a related company that I'm involved with 
that has developed special headphones that are able to transmit frequency data in a in a kind of like infrasonic way. So so you know below the kind of normal detection of sound, they're able to transmit information signatures of things. So for example, can transmit the information signature of vitamin C or the information signature of vitamin D. Or for example, we did a study that was really cool where we had uh, just very small pilot study. We had 12 people um, that had a history of traumatic brain injury go to a neural science center and have a 19 channel EEG brain map done. So they were able to kind of diagnose this brain trauma in, on an EEG um, and the specific nature of it in these 12 individuals. And then the person, each one of them spoke in their cell phone for 30 seconds. And then they, the company developed a set of tones unique for each individual kind of based on the outlying frequency set data in their voice. It's almost like kind of like corrective frequencies that that would correct the outliers and the person then listened to a set of tones for 20 minutes and then they had their brain eeg again so that's all they did they did the eeg they spoke for 30 seconds they listened to a set of tones for 20 minutes and then they had another eeg of their brain and the neuroscientist that read the eeg said they noticed more improvement in the brain with that 20 minute session than they would normally see from two time a week neural feedback training for three months. So sound is incredibly healing and important for the body. Wow. Amazing. Um, I'm so, I'm so fascinated by these technologies and um, I'm curious if they're going to become a little bit more mainstream or they're just still kind of in development yeah. or early stage. And if you need a beta participant, <laughs> yeah. I'm available. Yeah. The, the sound bed's available now and the, the headphones are, um, so that was a pilot study. We're in designing um, new research studies to be done and then it won't be too long before they're available for people. Wow. Oh, that makes me so excited um, that there's going to be so many different modalities to kind of counteract the the impact of, I think, what we're, I guess, modern society of so much noise, a lot of media, uh, you know, our attention is kind of scattered all over the place. And I think people are really stressed um, on many levels. So I love that there's these new technologies. Uh so Beth, um, you talk about healing dissonant signatures in our energy field. Can you talk about what, uh, first of all, a dissonant energy might be and then um, how how you go about healing them? Okay. Yeah. So, so again, I would kind of put dissonant signatures in a few different areas in the body. I mean, in, you know, just categorize them in a few different ways. So I would say we collect dissonant signatures from from toxic exposure. So this would be, you know, pesticides and herbicides like glyphosate and heavy metals and mycotoxins from mold exposure, you know, maybe biotoxins from previous infection exposure, maybe pharmaceutical residues, things that are not compatible or beneficial to the, to our physiology. Um, that these things can create dissonance. And what's interesting is that 
the dissonant signatures can remain even after the physical substances have gone. So, um, for example, you know, you you may kind of someone may have been exposed to a whole variety of petroleum solvents, um, and then you've done a lot of detox to get those out, um, but but the dissonance can remain in the system because it's almost like imprinted into the water compartments of the body, like a homeopathic remedy, so to speak. Um, you know, which is, you know, if you take, let's say, let's just back up for a second. How do you make a homeopathic remedy? Well, you, you take something like, you know, let's just use the example, magnesium, the, the mineral, and you put it in water and then you vigorously shake that up. And then you take one tenth of that solution, put it in another vial of water, shake that up. And then a tenth of that, put in another, you do that sequentially down, 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 you will get to the point where the signature of magnesium is retained in the water, but there are no more atoms in the water. So, so it's just the energetic signature that's retained in the water. And so even in our case of our bodies, which is 99% water by, by number of molecules, the information signature of a toxin can be retained in the water of the body. And so, you know, so one category would be toxins. The other category would be infections. So, I mean, there's, I have so many examples in my clinical practice where someone has, let's say Lyme disease, and then I do the work of treating the Lyme disease, but they're still affected. And then, and then I have to do kind of like a procedure to pull out the, the information signature of the Lyme disease. And they finally start feeling better. Um, and then the third category, which is probably the most complex category, is the kind of signature of traumatic experiences. So, you know, we have these things happen to us as we're going through life, and it's kind of almost universal in the human experience. And, you know, like I was said a couple of times already, it's just sometimes we're not equipped to deal with it at the time, and it remains imprinted in our field. And then you have the unmetabolized emotions associated with that. So, so, you know, Dr. Candace Pert is someone that, that really influenced my thinking early in my kind of path. I brought her in to speak in my medical school in um, 1993, I think, and, um, or maybe even 92, but she at that time had, you know, was kind of doing the work at the NIH around her, her book that came out called, molecules of emotion. And what she said at the time was that, that you can produce the same effect at a receptor site in a cell from, um, from a molecule as you can, as you can from the energetic signature of the molecule. So she said that that like a molecule has a particular vibratory signature, the receptor on the cell membrane has a particular vibratory signature, and you can produce the same effect at the receptor with the vibratory signature as you can with the molecule itself. So that was like kind of an aha, aha moment for me back in 1992, and I just have really thought about that ever since. And, and most of the companies that I'm uh, advising for, or, you know, involved in, in some way are based on that thinking. Wow. So can you say more about that? So, uh, in terms of our emotional world, like let's say we are going through a difficult time or that we keep thinking about something negative. I mean, how does that 
affect our physiology? Like maybe we can get like a practical example for folks. Sure. Yeah. So when, so then, you know, later Dr. Candice Perry put out the book Molecules of Emotion and, and basically what she was saying in that book was that, that emotions in, you know, let's say thoughts engender an emotional response in us and emotions are associated with a particular cocktail of neurotransmitters and hormones. And my thought is that these each have their own energetic signature that's unique to them. You know, the, the release of neurotransmitters in the brain, each one has a particular energetic signature, the release of hormones in the body, each one has a particular energetic signature. And collectively that cocktail has a particular energetic signature. And when you look at the work of, let's say, Dr. David Hawkins, he 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 wrote the book Power Versus Force and went on to write a whole variety of other books. And, and he measured basically the kind of vibratory rate of emotional states in human beings and found that, that certain ones were very strengthening to the human biofield and other ones were weakening. So emotional states of peace and joy and love were, were incredibly beneficial emotional states. The vibration was enhancing to our system and kind of, you know, maybe transmuting to dissonant signatures in our body and, and health promoting. Whereas emotional states like anger and, and sadness and, you know, deep shame, for example, were were very weakening to the system and the vibrations of the collective cocktail of, you know, of those, of those emotional states were very deleterious to the health. So how do people, or maybe some advice you can give folks who maybe like, let's say stuck in a shame or anger, is it just simply commanding yourself to move into a different emotion? I mean, how do you guide people through that process? Because I think a lot of folks like intellectually know this, but then can't actually do it. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot easier than easier said than done sometimes, but I think it starts with an awareness that, that there, they do have the power to change their emotional state and not changing it is very, very detrimental to health. So starts with that awareness. And, and then I think also understanding that no matter what happens in life, you know, whether it's a death of a loved one or um, the loss of a job or the loss of a relationship, or someone did something uh, unkind to you, or, or you've lost a whole sum of money somehow in a business deal that went bad. I mean, like you, no matter what happens to you in life, you, it is still your choice how you're going to react to that. So, so, you know, we often have these kind of like knee jerk reactions to the things that happen to us in life. And very, very often times that's kind of related to, you know, our, our familial programming and our societal programming and kind of like this, this kind of belief system that, you know, certain things that happen are good and certain things that happen are bad. Um, but 
nonetheless, we still have a choice in every situation that we encounter to decide how we're going to react to it. Mm, That's beautiful. Thank you for saying that. (laughs) Um, So the human biofield is something a lot of folks uh, talk about. Again, I think our audience might need a a definition. Um, What is the human biofield and how does other people's energy or stuck energy show up in this field? Mm. Yeah. Well, the human biofield is uh, literally a field of light that surrounds the body. And the bulk of it is, is within an arm's length distance on all sides. So, you know, kind of to each side and front and back and above and below. And it it has light that is um, coherent, very different than kind of just light in the environment. The, the light in the human biofield is, more, is coherent, more like a laser. And that laser light actually has very deep um, purpose in the body. And you can almost imagine like you're outside and you you take a magnifying glass and you kind of take the rays of the sunlight and you you kind of focus them in a particular way. Well, then that light can do things, you know, can, can burn things up, for example. Well, the, the laser light of the biofield is, is like an instrument and it can focus the, the energy and information in the unified field that we exist within and transmit it into the body to do to actually affect our physiology and the 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 coherency of our biofield or auric field depending on what you want to call it can be disrupted by the concretized energies left over from previous traumas, like we were talking about earlier, and the kind of collective, um, you know, unmetabolized emotions and the energetic signatures associated with those. Um, but one of the, the things that can be most disruptive to the, the coherency of the human biofield is other people's energies. And, um, you know, that's something that that was really brought to light to me um, by Dr. Francesca McCartney, the person that we both know. Um, and, and really, you know, you think about our, our unique blueprint creates this kind of beautiful orchestra that is unique to us. It's like we have this score of music that is ours and ours alone. And it's this incredibly exquisitely complex score of music. And then you take the energy of another human being that has their own score of music and you you pull it into our field. And you can imagine that creates dissonance, that creates disharmony. You know, it starts to kind of drown out the orchestra, so to speak. And our, our information set that that should be orchestrating our complex physiology starts to get confused so there's almost nothing that's more weakening to our health and you know to the 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 perfect um orchestration of our physiology than other people's energy that enters our system and you know why does that happen that we hit that other people's energy enters the system it's usually something that that, that kind of gets set in place early in life, you know? So you have a child, for example, who's 
boundaries are repeatedly violated in some way, whether it's just, you know, kind of like emotionally or physically. Um, and the, the, the child gets to be accustomed to having other people's energy in their field and, and really not knowing anything different. And, and so then later in life, you know, they, they tend to merge with other people and um, whether it's their friends or their their, their significant other, or, you know, um, you know, people that they're interacting with and their, their boundaries are porous. Fascinating. Uh, so this, uh, so what do we do if we have issues with boundaries? Like what is sort of the, is there like a methodology that you could walk folks through, um, to, I guess, clear other people's energy? I know we call it OPE. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Well, I mean, it's, it's, very similar to a lot of what we learned in the Academy of Intuition Medicine with Dr. Francesca McCartney, I think most importantly is, is first developing a practice for yourself where you're grounding your energy down into your physical form and really getting to know and become accustomed to your unique energy, like the, the, the feel of it, the sound of it, the, you know, the, the visual, the visual representation of it in your mind's eye, you know, what, what, the, whatever it is that, you know, is kind of your identifier of your unique sound. And then you can become much more aware of when other energy enters the space, or you can become aware that something doesn't feel Feel quite like you, you know, so the more time you spend getting to know your unique sound, your unique self, the, the, the more foreign energies will be highlighted in, you know, to you in your, in your practice. And then you can learn how to ground these off. And then you can learn about your own orc field in terms of your own felt experience and, and kind of develop techniques for, fortifying your boundaries. Mm. So uh, Beth, you know, this is a, a kind of a good follow-up question. What do you mean when you say we must know ourselves? Uh, you know, but what does that mean? Well, it's interesting. Like, you know, I, I deal with a lot of really complex disease in my medical practice. And, and when someone's had a disease for a long period of time, like a chronic multi-infectious disease, for example, um, you know, so they come in with chronic fatigue syndrome or, you know, kind of like yeah, neuroinflammatory disorder or, you know, some profound autoimmune disorder or something like that. Usually if it's been with them for a long time, they, they need to do some very deep work to unwind it. So we need to work on all levels, for example. So, you know, maybe we're, we're treating infections, maybe we're, helping to balance their hormones and replenish some nutritional deficiencies and, you know, clean up their gut microbiome and, you know, kind of things on a more physical level, but inevitably in the process of their healing, they're going to need to do some deep work of, of kind of developing a meditation practice and kind of that's body centered so that they can tune into areas of their body that that feel off, like for example, you know, if they have chronic pain somewhere, they they can feel into it and, and really begin to discern 
what that area is trying to tell them, you know, so, or, you know, have a lot, I have a lot of people that have like neural inflammation, you know, pain, inflammation in the nervous system. And, you know, so it's more about in order to fully unwind it, they need to kind of tune into that and, and sit with it and almost learn how to ground it off and ask questions and figure out what it's there to teach them, uh, you know, so that they can trace it back to its their its origin and, you know, maybe, maybe some events in their life um, that were, were, were there at the time that, that it originated and, you know, really understand kind of, you know, how it's evolved over time and what it's there to teach them. Mm. Fascinating. Wow. I, I think it's so it's so important, I think, for everyone to be doing this kind of work. Um, and then oftentimes I wonder, you know, why people end up doing it when it's not like too late, but oftentimes when like disease happens. Um, you know, what's what's your philosophy on on this process for folks who are even if they consider themselves like healthy? <laughs> uh like should they still be doing this kind of work? Absolutely. I mean, it's it's the type of thing where disease will anything that's not made conscious by, you know, kind of like this deep type of work will present itself as some form of life dysfunction, whether it's a disease process or, you know, just like repeated relationship trauma or, you know, repeated heartbreak or, or dysfunction in the career realm or, you know, in uh, unrewarding relationships, you know, you name it, um, it's going to show up one way or another. So it's basically our lives and our, our experiences are reflections of the, the, the work that we need to do on some level. And so, you know, we can do, we can be proactive and we can get this work done, you know, before it manifests in a way that we don't want, you know, and, and I, and I think the benefits are, are almost innumerable. Like, you know, it's like, because we, we, many people live lives of quiet desperation where maybe they don't have a health challenge or maybe they, you know, they're in a marriage, and, you know, and they have like kind of externally what they, they think they want in their life, but they're not, they're not on fire. They're not fully satisfied. They're not like thriving on, on, you know, to the, to, to the possible level that they could be. So, so, you know, I think that the, only way you can have that is by clearing the vessel, like literally like removing all of these clouding lenses that are affecting the way that, that we view the world and, you know, affecting our projections onto other people and situations and our perceptions and how we perceive the things that are happening to us in our life, you know, and so many of us are kind of enslaved by our knee-jerk emotional reactions to things, which really is, is a form of enslavement when we have the power to kind of step back and, and decide how, how we're going to feel, you know, because it's like, I think the path of the warrior and the master is, is to, is to, almost divorce your, your emotional reactions from external events, 
you know, and that was like brought home so clearly during the COVID era where, you know, so many people were, um, you know, just taking in the media and, and the kind of living in fear and, and all of that. And other people were like, okay, I'm not buying into that. I'm going to create my own reality here. I'm going to, you know, kind of be in command of my own emotional experience and, and, uh, that freed them up to almost live a parallel life that was much more rewarding. Hmm. That's beautiful. Wow. Uh, so in your book, you talk about relationships. Um, what are some of the essential factors that allow a relationship to, to become a vessel for transformation? Well, I think number one is just realizing that that is what it can be. Uh, you know, to understand that invariably a relationship is going to kind of shed light on our dark spots and bring up our stuff, you know? So, so it's like, it's, it's going to allow us to become aware of what was, we were previously unconscious to. And, you know, I think that, that, when you understand that relationships are going to trigger our deepest wounds and, you know, kind of shed light on our stored traumas, then it, it allows us to um, really see that what comes up as a profound gift. And I, so I think that is one thing. And the other is, you know, if we, if we realize that, it's we have to do our own work in order to have a satisfying experience with someone else. So if someone comes, something comes up for us, we instead of blaming the other person for what's coming up for us, we do our own work around what's coming up. That's going to help the relationship. So I think that's another ingredient. And then the final one is just commitment. You know, I think that it's you know, when you're dealing with this kind of the sensitive nature of, of these things coming up, we, you, you need to know that the other person isn't going to leave the moment the going gets rough. You know, I think that that allows for, you know, a kind of like a safe space to, to deal with what comes up. And I think, you know, not that I, I certainly do not agree that relationships have to be continuously difficult and, you know, always kind of pulling scabs off old wounds and, you know, like having dramatic stuff coming up all the time. I don't think that at all. You know, I think that there's going to be a tiny bit of that happening. Um, but, but the more you can take responsibility for what comes up, the faster you get through the, the rough spots. And I think you can kind of move through to a place of joy you know, where you have mutual respect for one another and mutual care and uh, really, you know, invest yourself in helping the other person live their best life. Beautiful. Yeah. I think that's such an important point, especially since, um, you know, during the pandemic, so many relationships were, the container got tighter and tighter. <laughs> so, uh, you know, the shadows definitely have come out. Um so Beth, I'd like to switch gears and talk a little bit about foods um, and water. What are some of the foods that we can eat to energize the body? Mm, such a good question. Well, I'd say green vegetables have the greatest degree of life force in them. 
And I think we want to take in foods to the best of our abilities with the highest life force quotient possible. And you look at the greens that you maybe pick up from the farmer's market or all the fresh fruits and vegetables that you get there, they almost appear to kind of vibrate and glow with life. And that should be a criterion that we have when we're, we're looking at what we want to ingest is like, how much life does it look like it contains? You know, you just look at a, at a fresh vegetable versus like cereal in a box. And you can usually, anyone can, can kind of say which one has the highest life force left, you know, cause it's like everything has life force to a degree, um, but, you know, when something's fresh and in its original form, it's going to have a higher degree of, of energy to exchange with our system. And then on a chemical level, you know, that the, the, the vegetables and things have higher amounts of electrons that can provide uh, antioxidant support in our system and, you know, still contain vitamins and 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 minerals and, and things that our bodies need to thrive. So I'd say green vegetables and then other categories of foods that are so incredibly vital for our good health are fats. So, you know, fats throughout my career of I don't know, 25 years, you know, have, have gone through periods of being absolutely demonized to, you know, now kind of now coming back around and be, being embraced, but they are, I never in my entire career, not seen them as probably one of the most essential foods that we ingest because the, all of our cell membranes are comprised of fat and I've always been super interested in the brain for many reasons. And it's like the brain is mostly fat. You know, we've got the, the, you know, the membranes of our neurons that, that are vibrating with, you know, in accord with the, the nature of the essential fatty acids and, and the different fats in our cell membranes and this vibratory aspect of the fats in our membranes are really what allow our our brains and even all of our cells for that matter to function as these vibratory oscillators that then resonate with with information in the field almost like a, a radio receiver and so i highly recommend that you include healthy fats in your diet like avocado and fresh nuts and seeds and and then even some saturated fat like butter and ghee and egg yolk and and then coconut oil and some sesame oil and 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 things like that and some fat from it from animal proteins and things um so that's the, i'd say a vital thing and then we also want to have some protein in our diet as well, whether it's plant-based or animals up to you, but, but you're going to need some protein to stabilize your blood sugar and all of that. So I um, would say what you eat is, is absolutely essential to your health and vitality. And then you were asking about water and I'd say water is like my favorite thing to put in my body. It honestly is. It's like, it is, we are 99% water by number of molecules. Water is absolutely everywhere. There's not a space at all in the body where water isn't. And 
we are learning that it just plays an incredible role with orchestrating our physiology, dictating kind of the expression of our genes, influencing the function of our proteins, providing the charge that that actually fuels a lot of our chemical reactions, um, you know, kind of providing the charge that even influences the movement of our blood cells through our blood vessels. You know, water is incredibly vital. And when we're replete with water, we function more as we should, like a liquid crystal. So we we've we have this fluid kind of crystalline matrix within our body that that facilitates the flow and transfer of of energy and information. And we were previously talking about the biofield and the kind of coherent laser light in a healthy human biofield. Well, when the water is when we're replete with water, there's there's almost like a series of interfaces. So you have the the energy of the unified field that's that's kind of infinitely dense with with energy and information and then you have the coherent field of the human biofield and then you have the water the liquid crystalline aspect of our bodies and each the, the biofield serves as like an amplifying conduit of energy and information and then the water serves as another amplifying conduit and it allows for the orchestration of our physiology. And what about Dr. I'm gonna maybe butcher this name, Montagnier's study? Ah, uh, Dr. Montagnier. Yeah. Yeah. So he's a very um, he just passed. Um, he was originally awarded the Nobel Prize for the discovery of the HIV virus. And um, and then he after that moved into studying water. And um, he did a variety of really important experiments that that influenced our thinking about water and water's special properties. And one of the landmark studies he did, he um, showed that water could retain information. Um, He took DNA from one of his HIV-infected patients, and he was able to measure the vibratory signature of the DNA with a special instrument and record that. And then he projected that information signature. Let me back up and say that first what he did is he he put the DNA from an HIV infected patient into water and almost made a homeopathic dilution of it. So, you know, put it into water, shook it vigorously, took one-tenth of that, put it into another vial, water shook it up, took a tenth of that, put it in another vial, and sequentially diluted it down, down, down until there were no more molecules of DNA in the sample of water. Then he used this instrument, which he had previously also used on DNA itself, and he was able to measure the vibratory signature of the DNA in the water, even though there were no more molecules of the DNA left in the water. He recorded that signature digitally, and then he took it a step further and he projected that digital signature uh, wire, like, you know, through the internet 
to a lab in Italy. So he did his original research in France and we projected that signature to a lab in Italy where researchers played that digital information signature to vials of water. And Dr. Montagnier said, it's like the vials of water listen to the sound of that signature. And then they took, and then they had vials of water that didn't listen to the sound of the signature. And they, they put individual nucleotides and polymerase enzymes, which are, so nucleotides are the building blocks of DNA and polymerase enzyme is required to construct DNA. So he put nucleotides and enzymes into the vials of water that had listened to the signature of the DNA. And those vials were able to reconstruct the DNA and the vials of water that had not listened to the signature could not. And then they took the DNA out of the water and they did PCR analysis on it and found that it was 98% similar to the original DNA in his lab in France. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So basically just, I think without a doubt, and, you know, most people can, cannot refute his research because he's, you know, a Nobel prize winning scientist without a doubt demonstrated that water retains information and then that information can actually do work. Wow. So that is a bit uh, terrifying considering that there's probably information in our drinking water that we may not want to ingest. Precisely. Precisely. And that's you know why I think it's absolutely vital that, of course, we, you know, stop dumping like chemicals into our water and we really work on, you know, kind of moving away from dissonant, you know, industrial practices and, and, and really start realizing that, you know, we're 99% water and the health of our bodies and every other living thing on earth absolutely depends on water. So that's for one. And for two, you know, until we can kind of make that transition from dissonant industrial practices to resonant industrial practices, you know, we need to really work on not only filtering the water, but actually removing dissonant energetic signatures as well. What do you do to do that with your own water? Or do you just... That's a very good question. And I think that that removing is one thing, transmuting is quite another. So, so ultimately, I think that even in the human body, when we talk about dissonant energetic signatures, I think that we want to move to the concept of transmutation, you know, transmuting them. And I think that that in the human body, that that we can accomplish that by exposing ourselves to coherent fields you know, being out in the coherent field of nature, undisturbed nature, for example, or cultivating higher states of consciousness, like, you know, like emotional states of bliss and, and, you know, peace and things like that. Those, those emotional states can have a transmuting effect on dissonant signatures. And, um, and, you know, I think we are going to create technologies that will do it as well. Fascinating. Oh, I can't wait for that day. Um, and why do you think that this subject is important, Beth? You know, why did you dedicate so much of your life to this world? 
Well, I think that, you know, we don't, we're, we're somewhat running out of time on the planet and unless we change our ways, you know, and I think that, that we first need to understand that we are all part of one grand thing. You know, we are all part of this incredible field of energy and information. We're derived from it and we are inextricably connected to the field itself and to every single thing that emerges out of the field. And when we really grok that, it's going to change how we do everything. You know, it's going to change how we, how we, you know, it, how we grow food, how we treat the human body, how we treat our fellow human beings, how we um, uh, derive fuel and how we derive kind of mineral resources and send information, you know, it's going to change our communication systems and our technology, our transportation systems and all of that. And, you know, I think that when we realize we're all one thing, you know, we will no longer tolerate dissonant industrial practices at all. Mm, yes, yes, yes. Amen. I love that. Yeah, I think it's I, the idea of um, this this connection to the to the field and the connection to everything. Uh, you know, something I I am hoping that we can collectively, as a majority, move towards because um, you know it's it's been interesting just to see the polarities that exist. Uh, in this world. Um, so I, I'm with you hundred <laughs> uh, percent. So Beth, what about the things that have surprised you the most on this journey? You've been in this practice for 25 years. Has there anything that kind of surprised you? It could be about, you know, the stories that of healing, it could be about medicine and um, spirituality. I mean, what has surprised you the most? Hmm. Well, one thing was what I've learned from studying physics is that matter is not static. Matter is forming and annihilating perhaps trillions of times per second, like flickering in and out of existence. And so when you really kind of grok that, really, really, really contemplate that, it, it opens up a lot of possibilities because if we as a multicellular complex organism are forming and annihilating trillions of times per second, there's gotta be something orchestrating our reformation every trillionth of a second. And it gives us an opportunity to form anew. So I think that it's opened up my mind to the possibility of, of rapid or more spontaneous healing. So we have a choice really in our destiny and in our, in our life, and we can drastically change our life, you know, in many ways. I'm curious if you also have a story of healing, um, that you could talk about, obviously, you know, not, you don't have to include the name, but, uh, if there's anything that just is memorable that you want to share with our audience. Mm, wow. There's so many, um, well, one story that I do put in my book is, is, is it, a story of a profound transformation um, with someone, someone I know. Uh, so this was spontaneous. So he, he was a kind of a, he had a very crippling arthritic condition called um, HLA B27, which is an autoimmune um, rheumatological 
process where his joints were like chronically swollen and inflamed and incredibly painful. And he had to be on non-steroidal anti-inflammatories in very large doses to function at all. But he was still, you know, incredibly disabled. And uh, one night while he was sleeping, he awoke with a start and almost like he was kind of like, kind of catapulted against the end of his bed. And uh, he said that he, he spent hours um, in, in a state of bliss and he understood kind of beyond words, the, the kind of nature, the loving nature of this, this unified field of, of intelligence and energy and information that he was derived from and that that everything emerges from and you know he's just he was so kind of like in awe of the grand design of all of this and he spent about six hours in this state of just you know this high vibrational state of bliss and then the next day his his arthritic condition spontaneously remitted wow wow Oh, that's so powerful. Love it. Wow. Um, So Beth, are are there any books or resources that you can uh, share with us, maybe resources that might be helpful other than your book, of course, The Pristine Blueprint? We will add the link to the show notes. Yeah. I mean, Dr. Francesca McCartney has written some books that, uh, you know, one book that's been uh, around for quite some time and she's in the process or maybe has just released a second book, um, highly recommend that for learning kind of like a practice that you can, you can do to, to clear your own energetic field. Um, and Dr. Pollock is a, a, probably the world's leading water researcher in the world right now. And he, he wrote, uh, a book called the, the fifth phase, the fourth phase of water. Um, love that. That was a huge influence to me. Um, we've referenced, um, David Hawkins, power versus force, highly recommend that. And, um, molecules of emotion by Candace Pert. Right. I'll have to check that out. Amazing. And, uh, Beth, what do you want to tell our listeners about their health and wellness and well-being? What's your main takeaway? Main takeaway is that the trajectory of your health and your life is really in your control. And you can have a profound influence on on your health by by clearing your own energetic system, by managing your thoughts and the emotional responses those thoughts generate in you, by, by, you know, really choosing how you're going to respond to external circumstances, by choosing high life force quotient foods and drinking um, half your body weight in ounces of pure, ideally structured water every day, you know, and then just by truly understanding that, that your health is malleable and that you are part of this beautiful field of energy and information connected inextricably with the field itself and with everyone else within this field and there is a new opportunity every trillionth of a second to form anew. Mm, thank you so much, Beth. And where can people find you? What's your what's the your website link? Well, um, you've got BethMcDougallMD.com. 
and uh, my, my clinic site, which is clearcenterofhealth.com and a new venture that I am part of, which is a bio-optimization lab called jizenlabs.com. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much for your time, Beth. This was such an enlightening conversation and so timely. Uh, For those of you uh, who are listening, check out the Pristine Blueprint, Reversing Disease and Improving Longevity. Um, And for our audience, thanks for joining and for listening in this episode. We want to thank Dr. Beth McDougall for her time. And you can tune into Gateways to Awakening, where we host one-on-one conversations with leading experts in wellness, well-being, and spirituality. Thanks again.